Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Last week, we talked about Matthew chapter 23. We talked about what Jesus was talking to the Pharisees about. In fact, he was talking to the Pharisees, and then later he was talking about the Pharisees and letting us know what they really are. And last week, we looked at the concept, possibility. Is it even possible that maybe we're more like Pharisees than we are like Jesus? And I trust that that that's not true, but I find some inconsistencies in my own life, and maybe you have found those in yours as well. I find we talked last week about the idea, three specific ideas, that maybe we're more like Pharisees than we are like Jesus when we talk like Jesus but don't live like Jesus. Jesus says that the Pharisees don't practice what they preach. They say one thing but do another. And if we are like that, then maybe we are more like Pharisees than like Jesus. Possibility of being, maybe we're more like Pharisees than like Jesus when we do things in order just to be seen by others. The motivations of our heart, the attitudes that we have, the reasons why we do things, are they just so that we can be seen by others? And then we also said last week that maybe we're more like a Pharisee than we are like Jesus when we're more concerned with cleaning the outside and forgetting about the sin that's on the inside. And that's the challenge that we have in our life. I'm going to talk to you a bit about this idea. I find, though, that we as Christians, if you're a Christian, and I'm talking specifically to believers this morning, whether you've been a believer for a short time or a long time, we're following Jesus. We, we committed our life to him. We recognize that he saved us from our sin. And however long ago that was, we've been trying to follow him ever since. But I don't know if you realize, but a number of people I've talked to this past week, uh, we've been talking about how easy it is to shift our focus and shift our attention from following Jesus to following something else. Or from living my life the way God wants me to live it to doing and becoming something else, something that wasn't the plan. And I don't think we always recognize those attitudes in ourselves. We often cover up our own attitudes with um, words that sound spiritual, but really in the end they're not spiritual at all. And so I think we need to take a few steps toward recovery. And remember, recovery is going to take a little while. But recovery requires constant commitment to doing what God wants us to do. And the first thing I think we need to do is to admit that we like judging other people. Come on, now you don't have to say it out loud, but really, admit it. You do. And we have to realize that we like judging people, seeing them and evaluating them. Now, we don't like it when it happens to us, but we like doing it, right? And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 to 5, Jesus says, to the people who are doing those very same things. They're looking at shortcomings and failings and disappointments in other people, and they're not seeing any in themselves. And Jesus says to them in Matthew 7, why don't you look at the speck, why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You see, he says that you don't even recognize the situation. You're saying, you're pointing out some flaw or some difficulty with one person, but you have the exact same flaw, only in a huge, in a a bigger way, and you don't even recognize it. He says, you hypocrite, verse 5, this is what you should do. First, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. We do have a tendency 
to be critical of other people. We have to admit that we like to judge other people. When was the last time that you, informed, that you formed an impression of someone before you really got to know them? Next, we need to realize something. We need to realize, or I need to realize, that I tend to think that I have to put others down in order to feel good about myself. That I have a tendency, maybe you have a tendency to put other, people's down, other people down so that you can feel good about yourself. You know, the Pharisees did that. They looked down at people. They looked down at people. They looked down at Jesus for, for sitting with sinners instead of having compassion on those very same people that Jesus was sitting with. They despised Jesus for healing a man's withered hand instead of wanting to see him healed. They cursed Jesus for casting out a, a demon out of another man instead of rejoicing that was, he was finally free. And in Jesus' parable, those Pharisees found a way to leverage the law to walk the long way around a half-dead man lying in the middle of ro the road in front of him. They looked down on him. They looked down on others for not living like they did. They looked down on people. And sometimes we have to recognize that we do the same thing. We have this tendency to look down on people who don't look like us or act like us. Third, we need to acknowledge, I need to, I should say this personally, maybe you can write them down for yourself personally, or you can put Glenn. Glenn needs to acknowledge if you want to do it that way. Um, then give it to me, send it to me in an email or whatever. But number three, I, uh, I need to acknowledge that I like to think I've earned mercy from God and that others haven't. Somehow, when we become so familiar with the fact that God was merciful to me, we become so familiar that it becomes commonplace. Oh yeah, God's merciful. Oh yeah, he was merciful to me. We start to think that we deserved it for some reason. That we've had it happening, we've, we've ex received it for such a long time ago that we take it for granted. Mercy means you deserve a punishment and God decides not to punish you. That's nothing that you've earned. But sometimes we act as though we've earned it and nobody else has earned it. But 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through our good actions, through our good behavior. No, it doesn't say that, right? It says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our mercy came through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Mercy because of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead after he had paid the price for our sin. God allowed his Son to die, and when he died, he placed the sin of the whole world, yours and mine, on him. And so that he paid that price. And when he raised himself from the dead, he was willing and able to be the one to forgive us. Titus 3, 5 says he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done. Let's never forget that. Number four, I need to stop applying what I learned in God's word to anyone but me. And it's tough when you're a preacher because you feel like you're supposed to stand up here and say, you guys need to, you guys need to, you guys need to. But in my heart, I feel like that's hypocritical. Because I know that I need to. We need to. And so when you and I, when we see something in God's word, the, I, the response is not, I just learned something in God's word, and I know Joe needs to change his life, and so I'm going to go tell him. Or I know, uh, this other, I know this other person, she needs to change what she's doing, and so I learned it in God's word, so I'm going to apply what I learned to them. When God wants to work individually on us, 
when I learn something in God's word, it's because God wants me to learn it. And he wants me to apply it to my life. First, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 14, verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? If we are followers of Jesus Christ, he is our master. We're not each other's master. He is our master. And we are servants of him. And Romans 14, 4 says, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So it's got nothing to do with me trying to tell somebody else how they need to serve God. It's got to do with me learning how God wants me to serve him. Next, I need to concede that I am, and always, this is a hard one, I need to concede that I am and always will be really good at sinning. You know what? I'm a natural. I don't even have to try. I do it without any effort whatsoever. But you know what's hard? To admit it. As opposed to the Pharisees who wanted to show people that they weren't sinners. They wanted to show people that they were one thing on the outside, that they were holy on the outside. But on the inside, they weren't that. And Jesus wants that for us, that we will concede that we are, we are natural-born sinners. And John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 says, If we claim to be without sin, and that's what the Pharisees did. In fact, they enacted other laws to allow them to get around the current laws so that they could make it a claim that they are without sin. But in 1 John, John writes, If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves. The Pharisees deceive themselves into thinking they were without sin. John writes that we do the very same thing. If we claim to be without sin. The, re the only, the no one way I know for sure if anyone's lying to me is if they tell me they're without sin. Because John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But he doesn't leave us there. He says, if we confess our sin, that he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all of our unrighteousness. If we confess our sin, meaning admit that we are sinners and confess them to God, but look at what God is like. It says that he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins, always, not sometimes. He says, if we, are, if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. The Pharisees, they say they have fellowship with God, but they walk in darkness. They don't really have fellowship with God. Those who love Jesus, those who follow Jesus, they're the ones, we're the ones that's supposed to confess our sin, knowing that he's faithful to forgive us. The Pharisees were happy to point out sin in other people, and even maybe happier to excuse it in themselves. But what God calls us to is to admit that we're sinners, to confess that we're sinners, so that he can forgive us. I guess I ask myself a question, what excuses am I making for the sins that, that are entangling me? Do you have sins that are your pet sins, or the sins that you do all over and over, and even though you don't want to, and even after you've done it, and you're, you're, you're repentant, and you wish you'd never done it, and yet you do it again? And sometimes we make excuses for it. But God doesn't call us to make excuses. He calls us 
to ask for forgiveness. Next, we need to make a conscious effort to consider others better than ourselves. This only comes through prayer and careful consideration. Philippians 2 says that we're not supposed to do anything out of, out of selfish ambition or out of vain conceit. But we're supposed to look at other people. We're supposed to, in humility, value others better than ourselves. Not looking for our own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. We're always supposed to be looking for others, not selfish, not looking at ourselves. Next, we always need to be amazed at the grace that God has given to us. We always need to be amazed, not to let that diminish, not to let it grow dim and realize and think, yeah, God forgave me all those years ago, but realize how special it is. In Ephesians 1, 7 and 8, it says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption. We've been brought back into that relationship with God. We've been restored. We have redemption through his blood. Because he died, we have redemption, that forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It's because of God's grace that he gave us, and he gave us his son. I'm thinking about the idea of being amazed by the grace that God has given me. I'm easily caught up with the cares of this life, the things of today, the things that need to happen tomorrow, the things that need to happen next week, my plans, your plans. We get caught up with that. And sometimes we forget about God and we forget about how gracious he is to us. Next, we need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. We need to be thankful. Psalm 118, sorry, Psalm 106 verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his love endures forever. Psalm 118 verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his love endures forever. He says it over and over in the Psalms. In other places it says, give thanks, be thankful. It changes the way you look at things. It changes the way you look at people when you're thankful. When you're thankful to God, it changes how you see other people. When you're thankful to God, it changes how you treat other people. I was just reminded today, I was thinking of many stories that I've heard about people who have traveled, uh, especially to Europe, and I'm going to say specifically to the Netherlands, and they said people from Canada that have have traveled there, they said uh, the Dutch people are so thankful to Canadians. And they will rehearse the history that, they've, that they lived through in their country and how Canada and us as Canadians, we are, we're pretty much in some ways unaware. The younger we are, the less it's being taught to us, the part that we had to play. Uh, and people talk to me about, I've talked to people and they've said, people find out you're Canadian and they just say, oh, you're Canadian, come on over here. And they want to show you things and they want to take you places because they are filled with gratitude and they're taught that for what has happened in, in, in the World War and what Canadians had, not me, what, not what I did, but there's still can, there's somehow connection between Canadians and what people, Canadian soldiers did all those years ago. Grateful, thankful people. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. You don't run around and break your leg and say, oh, God wants me to say, great, I broke my leg. Thank the Lord, I broke my leg, right? No, it doesn't say thank the Lord for your circumstances because some people, not just a a minor example, but some people go through and face a lot of difficulty. But even in those times of difficulty, people find things to be thankful to God for, for sustaining them for never leaving them, for never forsaking them, for giving them that grace, for, for giving them mercy. So he wants us to be thankful people. 
when we're thankful, it changes how we look at people and look how we talk to people. And number nine is, let my light shine so that other people will glorify God. This is a challenge. How do you live your life? How can you? This is a question for you to answer. How can you live your life so that the things that you do will bring glory to God? In fact, other people will glorify God because of how you live your life. It's a challenge to think about. How can I do, what can I do today to bring glory to God? Not to bring recognition from, to myself, not so people will say good job to me, but somehow people will say and give glory to God. How can I live my life that way? That's how he wants us to live. Because the Pharisees lived to receive glory, did things to, to be seen by others so they could receive honor, so they could receive respect. But God wants us to live our life so that our light shines, like it says in Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father, glorify God himself. The Pharisees led people away from Jesus. They didn't want people to be connected with Jesus at all. We are supposed to connect people to Jesus. We are supposed to bring people to Jesus. That's what God wants for us and from us. There's a lot of questions that we can ask. So maybe if you've been taking notes and you've been writing down these different things and you've been wondering, is this the kind of recovery that I'm willing to undergo? It's a, a long time recovery and it might be a lifetime of recovery. Just like my physiotherapist has basically told me that those stretches, those exercises, I should continue to do. And I wanted to say, until when? But I know the answer, just continue to do them. And I think this is what the same thing for us because we might have a tendency to slide into this idea of what a Pharisee is like. We might have that tendency to be drawn into being critical of others, to judge others, to do all of these things. And so I just want to challenge each one of you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I know you're not perfect. I know you're a sinner just like me. But God wants us to continue these steps of recovery toward being the people he wants us to be. Now maybe you claim to be a follower of Jesus but you're not interested in all these recovery steps. It's too much work. Just want something else to happen. Well, I have something for you. I have taken the Hippocratic Oath that um, people in the medical community used to, be, used to take as they start their medical profession, and I rewrote it for those who want to just stay being Pharisees. So the Pharisaic Oath, this is what I have for you, and I trust you're not going to write this down. This is just to make a point, right? Don't write it down and put it on your fridge, please. You're, gonna, you're missing the point altogether. But listen to this, Pharisaic oath. As a member, I should say proud, as a proud member of the brotherhood and sisterhood of Pharisees, I solemnly pledge to dedicate my life to the criticism of humanity. The health and well-being of my fellow man will not be my first consideration. I will respect only my personal understanding of the correct way to live. I will maintain the utmost respect for what I believe to be true. I may permit considerations of age, disease, or disability, creed, ethnic origin, gender, nationality, political affiliation, race, sexual orientation, social standing, or any other factor to intervene in my relationships with others. I will practice my religi religiosity in front of others to be seen by them. I will foster the honor and noble traditions of the Phariseeism. I will I will share my knowledge with anyone whether they wish to hear it or not. 
I will attend to my own well-being, and I make these promises solemnly, freely, and upon my honor. I trust that you're not writing this down. <laughs> because that's the difference between a recovering Pharisee and a committed Pharisee. God doesn't want us to be like a Pharisee. He wants us to be like his son. And I just challenge all of us that maybe we can pursue God. Maybe we can pursue Jesus. And maybe he will change our heart. He will change our attitudes. He will change how we speak to other people, what we think about other people. He will change us from the inside so that he will purify us and we will be able to bring glory to him. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no